Welcome back everyone to Talking Points on our brand spanking sparkly new YouTube channel. Also, if you're audio only and you're a bit confused as to why it didn't come up on Spotify, the last episode, we've got a new home on Spotify, a new home on Apple Podcasts. So do double check and make sure you're following F1 Talking Points, the purple with the white, this beautiful new logo that I designed. I'm very happy with myself for doing that. Anyway, <laughs> Had to get that one welcome everyone. It's the Monaco Grand Prix. It was, as Monaco goes, I thought a bit of a, I wouldn't say worldy. Um, a lot happened, a lot to dive into. All four here today, Hayden decided to wake up. Hayden, yeah, I mean, yeah. you haven't been introduced on the new channel, so so welcome, mate. Unlucky to everyone who thought they were getting rid of me because I am back, so start crying. <laughs> Red Bull fan tears incoming. Don't worry, I'm sure Hayden's checked his bias this year, right? You're, you're, not, a, you're not a Lewis bias driver. I was anymore. never biased in the first place. I have no idea. No, not at all. Of course not, mate. But of course, Matt is back. Of course, Aldas is back as well. Boys, how are you two doing? Matt, are you good? We were yeah. at Karen last night as well. Yeah, absolutely. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, lucky enough, me and Tom have got to go to the MTC to watch the Indy 500 with the two guys getting second and fourth. Great result for the team. Um, but then, yeah, also me and Tom are watching, um, yeah, watching the race of Monaco with all the red flags. And it's just, uh, it was a bit of a weird one, this. But yeah, Aldas, what did you think of the race? Do you know what? As Monaco goes, I actually think it was all right. I think it was a good race. We had the kind of last portion of the race was kind of classic Monaco in terms of there's always that kind of anticipation of is someone going to pass for the lead, but it never happens. But I thought the beginning was actually pretty good. I mean, the way it kind of started with all the red flags and kind of postponements wasn't great. But again, as Monaco goes, I thought it was a pretty good one, actually. Uh, let's quickly, just quickly, before we get into the talking points of the race, out of 10, I'm saying, I'm saying eight. For a Monaco Matt, what do you think? Oh, I don't. Uh, I'll go optimistic. Seven, just seven out of ten. Hey, just Hayden, six point nine eight. All right, I didn't know your name was Hayden. God, <laughs> it's like last week all over again. He's just used to me not being here. Uh, seven. <laughs> I'll go with a seven. I was, I was, I was very pleased with it. I enjoyed it. Do you know what? Go I'm gonna go. It. I'm gonna go with Tom. Actually, I'm gonna go eight. I actually thought it was a again as Monaco goes. I thought it was actually a really good one. So. Yeah, I thought, yeah. yeah, I liked it. I liked it. But you know what? Well, before we get into Sunday, let's quickly go over Saturday because, you know, qualifying session of the year, in mm. many ways, it is kind of unfortunate to have two Monaco Grand Prix in a row where qualifying is ended by someone putting it into the wall. But I guess that's the nature of the track. Obviously, it was Charles Leclerc last year. Sergio Perez, bum first. Did any of you clock on the live feed? Because you literally had one frame of yeah, this yeah. red ball just yeah, dropping yeah, yeah. it. And then like, I was at, I'm pretty sure that car just lost it going into, <laughs> <laughs> headed up to the tunnel. Like that was, in terms of qualifying sessions, I think, you know, and you know, Sergio looked like he had the, the measure of max for a, for a lot of the weekend as well. Um, obviously Charles got the pole, but um, I mean, what did you make of, what did you make of Perez's pace as well? Because Matt, I think that, you know, on, he was on top of backs. Absolutely. And I think, as well. I think coming off, you know, from Barcelona, you know, having the team orders, you could argue whatever the race result was going to be for that. I think he kind of fell a bit of doubt with himself and then coming into Monaco before the crash. Yeah, he was on par, if not a bit better than Verstappen. And it was a shame that literally towards the end, it's where he sort of just spun it around on and it looked like to just be on his own accord. Um, but I think, yeah, ultimately this was Perez's one to really prove that like, no, I... He doesn't really want to be a number two driver anymore. And unfortunately, if he hadn't had that little spin, he might have been probably in the top two, I would have thought, rather than just being normal, normal in the top four. But um, 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting to see like this new dynamic now of like Perez is like he's coming breaking out of the shelf like not wanting to be a number two anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you think, Adas? I mean, to be honest, I think actually in the end, again, awkwardly, I think I actually won him the race because Max was on a quicker lap. I don't think Sergio was actually improving. So, you know, tinfoil hat times. Um, but <laughs> yeah, again, in a weird way, it kind of it kind of helped him because, yeah, Max, although he was kind of behind, which we're not used to seeing, actually, this is a really weird thing about 2022, like actually seeing Max Verstappen genuinely, not because of like penalties or anything, but genuinely yeah. kind of not be on the pace sometimes of his teammate or at least, you know, really close. But yeah, it kind of won him the race because he outqualified Max. He always had that track position in terms of the Red Bulls. So he always had the strategy first. And uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. And to be fair, I saw the um, uh, post-race interview with Max and Checo, I think by Sky. And Max just had to get it in there like, about the red flag in, uh, in qualifying. So you can see that Max was like, <laughs> he was saying it in a, joke, like, in a joking fashion. But I think in the back of his mind, he knows like, oh my days, not again. <laughs> but yeah, mate, Checo got it done. Simple as that. I mean, it could have gone either way because they were all so close. Checo, Sainz, Leclerc, Verstappen. It was all so close between the four of them, which is great to see. I've been a it bit was. of a critique of, of Perez so far this season because a lot of people were bigging him up after the first three rounds, take out that pole from Saudi Arabia. And he was just doing the job that he's supposed to do. Everyone was like, oh my God, Perez is amazing this year. I'm like, well, not really because he's not, he's not beating Verstappen. He's just doing mm. the job of a number two that he should be. But now we've got to a stage where you know, Perez has taken that fight to Verstappen. And, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but he's now only 15 points behind in the championship. He's in the fight. He is in this mm. fight now. Yeah, I, I'd agree. This is the first time we've seen a teammate take it to Max on merit mm. since Daniel Ricciardo. R really, like, it, yes, it's been, you know, I think Jeddah, you know, yes, Sergio out qualified Max, but I still think Max probably had the the out-and-out yeah, out pace. pace. Yeah, of course. But, I, you know, it's it's super impressive. I'm super happy for Checo as well. And as we saw, spoiler alert for Sunday, he was able to convert quickly before we get into the race as well. I want to ask you boys, who was your qualifier, your top qualifier? Because for me, I've got to say, because a lot of people think I don't like him, but I'm going to give credit <laughs> where credit is due. Sebastian Vettel, P9, in that Aston Martin that they're still early doors trying to understand. I think Seb, for me, was qualifier of the day. Ah, you, Matt. Yeah, I think I've got to. I think I've got to agree with you. It's either that or um, George Russell, because like in the in the last um, talking points, Fair. I jokingly said, I, well, I didn't jokingly. I said like realistically, I think top five for Mercedes, and both you guys yeah, were like, we were oh yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's definitely going to be up there. But like, <clears> I, I didn't think they were going to have the, the for it. So I think George did good in comparison to Hamilton, but I think yeah, Vettel, like he's. I mean, he's he's delivering to be the number one of the of the team there, and it's like it's to get it into the top ten on quite a, a short, strong track. I think it's really. Uh, oh, I think we've got really to go to Hayden after that. We've got to <laughs> yeah. go straight to Hayden. So Hayden, what do you make of that, mate? Well, I mean, Monaco is a qualifying track, and I, I, I'm you know famous for saying that Stroll cannot qualify for the life of him. So uh, it's never going to go well at Monaco, and then you're just stuck in traffic. So uh, Sebastian Vettel, incredible job in qualifying. He did it again. He did it last year in 2021 he did it again yep. here to be different from you two i'm gonna go lando norris because you know uh, if matt's gonna throw shade my way lando's in fifth and his teammates down in, in 14th <laughs> so um mr That's mr it. monaco daniel ricardo couldn't really pull it out of the bag could he so uh mr yeah Redemption. i'm gonna go with uh gonna go lando norris on that one <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to be different again. And I'm actually going to go with Charles Leclerc because I feel like all weekend he had the pace. Like he always had a few tents in his pocket. I know Sainz and Checo and even, you know, Max would have pulled out a good lap in the end of Q3. But I mean, Leclerc was on. If Checo hadn't spun, 
I think Leclerc was like four or three, three or four ten sub mm. on that lap on his own best. Mm. And he was already like on a provisional pole. So Leclerc was on a very yeah. special lap. He always had the pace. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go with him because he just, yeah, it's just, he, he has so much pace around those streets, regardless of what kind of category he's raced in. So yeah, I'm going to go Charles Leclerc. Charles was definitely looking racy. <laughs> definitely looking racy this weekend. Um, all right, so Sunday, um, you know, Monaco in the rain. And, and I've I said this before, you know, I think dry Saturday, wet Sunday is kind of the, the dream combination um, because you get a bit of rain on Sunday, mixes things <laughs> up. And that is what we saw because obviously the race dried out towards the end. Then it settled down into more of a typical Monaco. Um, but turns out, and I was watching uh, Ted's notebook last night, uh, that... Actually, the reason, part of the reason for a lot of the delays, because it was absolutely hammering it down. Mm -hmm. There were stages where it wasn't going to be safe to send cars out racing. Fair enough. But there were issues with the the starting lights, weren't there? Um, Water interfering, apparently. And I know, Matt, Mr. Technical (laughs) knows what goes on behind (laughs) the scenes. Do you have any more insight for us? It was basically like that, yeah. So the guys didn't really predict that the rain was going to be so heavy. They knew rain was going to be covering in, Mm. but um, it wasn't just the uh, starting light procedures. It was also in the TV compound that midway through the race, which we heard on the commentary, lost entire battery, um, lost entire power, sorry. They do have backup systems in place, which are just separate generators just off the circuit but obviously they do take a while to like to actually start up and then go through it but what happened at the start there yeah the uh the power uh supply to the start lights which is all controlled for the from the fia just went completely out and that was about for the that was the first um delay of the when it was being sort of red flagged when all the wind start got uh, delayed sorry but by that point uh during that 10 minutes is when we started to see heavy downpour because obviously when they first went onto the grid you know seeing brundle's grid walk and uh, it was still quite dry but then during that time the heavens opened up and that's why we saw all the like pit crews like running down with their trolleys of um, of tires because they needed to quickly change it so because of all the sudden change of weather, that then the FI had to delay it even further to allow teams to actually make the changes. Um, but I think also that wasn't the first technical issue we saw the whole weekend. I know um, we can talk about it a little bit later, you know, the whole issue of like the automobile club to Monaco and the whole licensing with it. Um, and obviously this was the one weekend where the automobile club had to show to Formula One, we can do a great event. Uh, mate, and, that's what yeah. I mean. Like, absolutely. Because, again, it was just, it wasn't even just the things that were going wrong, Aldas. Like, it was it was just, a, there was a lack of communication. We didn't find out about these things until afterwards. It was just kind of radio silence, just sat there waiting for rain that, you know, it seemed to be drying up and we were just sat there. I think that was the big frustration, to be honest. Like, the thing is, if they relayed that to the fans, if they said, look, there's a problem with the start lights, you know, we have to sort this out. That would be so much better because we were so in the dark. We were wondering, I mean, even the commentary box was like, you know, what's going on? Why are we not racing? Is this genuinely just down to the weather? I mean, mm-hmm. at one point, I think it was like 10 minutes in of us still not racing. It wasn't even raining. Like all of the videos yeah. showed that there was absolutely no rain and we were still wondering what's going on. Obviously, people are wondering, you know, what, what's going on with the FIA? Why, you know, why we've not got the race started? And I think it comes down to that communication again. I don't know why they didn't tell us. Um, maybe they need someone in the FIA that's literally like, to do with comms and can actually relay that information out because no doubt about it that the this the uh, race steward is probably you know busy sorting this out and communicating with loads of different people but yeah it just it doesn't make the FIA look uh, look good even though it's not actually their fault but then it also doesn't make Monaco look good because Monaco is the special race in terms of they have full control over everything in terms of the marshals in terms of like the way the race is obviously um shown as well they have their own broadcast station so 
And this is a critical year. I mean, we might get mm. into it at the end of the video in terms of Monaco's place on the calendar, but this was not a year where you wanted to show incompetence if you're Monaco. So yeah, it's not no. a good look. I think the race kind of saved it a little bit, but the communication was not great. Mm. Well, it, it was a, it was a double pronged thing, wasn't it, Hayden? Because you had the kind of you had the lack of communication. You know, Crofty was you know talking about how kind of Freitas hasn't got experience, and it's like it's nothing to do with Freitas actually. In the end, it was to do with this light panel, but because there wasn't the communication, I mean, throughout the qualifying and practice sessions, we saw weird ass graphics and things not looking properly. You had like a Monaco mini circuit showing up because it didn't show. Like it, it felt like, and there's so much chat around Monaco potentially because the deal's what next year is the last year it's going to be on the calendar. I don't think they for do now anyway. 2023. No, no, this, this was the last one. Oh, the contracted one, yeah. Even less. That's and right. that's what I mean. Like, yeah. like, like, do you think that this, I don't know, where do you sit with it now? Because because I don't know, I feel like I'm in the ballpark where it's like, I, I, think F, I think Monaco needs F1 more than F1 needs Monaco. I'll be honest. Nah, you're wrong. Um, Monaco has to stay. Well, I'm me. not. Like, Monaco has to stay, like 100%. <laughs> but does the sport like, need it? Yes, of course it does. No, it's history, it it's iconic. Not. You've got to go back and look at your roots all the time. You can't just forget where you came from. Monaco is an iconic part of Formula One. And we... It wasn't even boring. Qualifying was exciting all the way through. The race was exciting all the way through. Yeah, okay, there's a few things That's they need to the change. They need I to asked, sort out. Hayden. They need to sort out the race director and all that <laughs> stuff. Like, why do we need the Monaco people to to sort that out? We can just give that to the people who do it on a regular basis. That stuff needs to be changed a hundred percent. But it's an I easy agree. fix. Yeah. It doesn't mean, oh, okay, the race director needs to be fired. Let's go somewhere else. No. Hashtag bring back Mavi. every street circuit that we go to is never going to be as good as Monaco because every street circuit that we go to is 90 degree right, 90 degree left here, fast straight. There is no street circuit that is fast flowing where you get in between the barriers. You watch an onboard through sector three and it is the best on board of the season. So mm -hmm. Monaco stays. Like, but I think the issue, if, if, I think... If I you think, think Monaco has to go, you know, it's been day to day, go put yourself in a bin and wait for them. I don't think it's a, wrong. I don't think it's That's an issue though. That's not what I said, yeah. Hayden. That's not my question. I don't think it's an issue of like if we think the track is good or not. Basically, the issue you've got is that the automobile club, the Monaco, looks after the whole event of Monaco, and that's due to Monegas mm. law. So they have to control all the camera operators, all the race direction, and also uh, like the, the whole broadcast. And that's the issue we got with it. Obviously, Formula One looks at this, and every year it's a joke. They know it's a running theme. Literally last year, you know, with the straw replay meme. Where at a pivotal moment, or when we're about to see an overtake, they cut to a replay. It's it's the issues like that which make Formula One look really bad. But it's not Formula One's like fault because it's just due to Monegas law. And the issue here is obviously Formula One want that change, but the automobile club don't want to do that. So you have got this fight of like, okay, well, maybe we don't need to race in Monaco because it does bring a lot of value to the to the principality. But then also, as you say, Hayden. The history there, it's it's so big and, and vital to it. So that's the issue. It's not about if the actual racing element is good or not. It's actually just the actual event itself because... Yeah, they're going to have to compromise. Mm. Gonna they're going to have to compromise, otherwise they're losing it. In terms of what Tomo actually said, like, does Formula 1 need Monaco or does Monaco need Formula 1? That's that's the reason why they still don't have a contract because Formula 1 are looking... There was also apparently some sponsor stuff. Uh, apparently Monaco themselves si uh, signed a big sponsorship deal that was in complete, I think, uh, conflict with a, a Formula One sponsor as well. So all yeah. of these things are going on in the background and Formula One's not happy about it. Like Monaco are not clearly doing a good enough job. They're also doing like, you know, uh, deals behind their backs, which are not very good for, for F1 themselves. And that's why the conversation com comes back. You know, 
of course Monaco needs Formula One. That The amount of revenue that is, you know, that comes in from Formula One for that tiny country that's basically just one town, they need Formula One. But again, with all of this incompetence, with the fact that the fans don't really seem to love it anymore, it doesn't actually seem that... I mean, I really want Monaco to stay on the calendar, by the way. I think we did a track uh, a track review a few, a few months agree. ago. I gave it a 10 because I think it's an absolute classic, but <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that Formula One are going to put up with Monaco if they don't kind mm. of go in the direction that Liberty Media want them to do. So to kind of answer Tomo's question from a few minutes back, of course, kind of Monaco needs Formula One, but F1 doesn't need Monaco with the way it is at the moment. And mm. that's the conflict yeah, the, at the, the moment. The specialist relationship, it kind, it kind of uh, reminds me a bit of the old Ferrari special relationship, which I think that there's, that's been a constant negotiation over recent years because, you know, Ferrari used to get all these extra pay. It's like Monaco's got this, yeah, that they, they get this extra treatment because it's the historical race. But again, I, I think, you know, F1's putting itself into a place with, you know, Vegas coming, Miami. You've got these more, you know, you've got glamorous Grand Prix elsewhere now, whereas Monaco was the only glamorous Grand Prix. And you don't need to have to go that far back to, for it to be the only glamorous Grand Prix on the grid. But that box is ticked by others. That's that's why I'm concerned, because I'd love Monaco to stay. Let us know if you're watching YouTube in the comments. But what do you think? Do you think Monaco, do you think the sport needs Monaco? That's the thing. I, I guess that's that's mm. an important question, because we talk, we talk about tracks a lot of the time that, you know, Spa, Silverstone, these iconic tracks that should never go. Should Monaco be one of them? Should that be, you know, are you, are you, are you fearful that we might lose the Monaco Grand Prix? Because I do hope not. Like I hope this doesn't happen. I hope not. But anyway, eventually we got to racing after the rain passed through. Um, well, behind safety. So we didn't get a standing start at all through the race. Again, it turns out afterwards, because we thought the second time around, didn't we, that they would start yeah. standing yeah. start. Didn't happen. Um, race started. And I mean, I know Lando was talking afterwards about how it was one of the scariest races of his life. Monaco in the wet with the extreme wets, as they kept calling them, the tyres. Um, I mean, there was some... I guess we've got to start with the Canadians, haven't we? Yeah, I was going to um, say, I thought you were going to mention it. <laughs> Hayden, should we start with the Canadians? I don't know what you're about. You know what? It just showed how sketchy it was, though. The fact that Stroll hit the wall and Latifi kind of almost well, ended his was, race. Was, was, that that before, was that the first that was one? Formation, that was technically the formation lap, but it was on lap yeah, that one. Yeah, like the, so the first one to... before, the, before the red flag. The race hadn't even started yet. Yeah, yeah, like, the, yeah. like literally yeah. the first formation yeah. lap. Yeah, lap there was one like another formation. one after. Yeah, that track was not suitable like before that when the delays were happening i was like what's wrong with it it's barely raining like let's just get on with this like <laughs> come on you're racing drivers and they all wanted to get going i was like why is yeah, this yeah. being delayed for so long yeah. i didn't know about all the light stuff and you know i only really found out no one did That's literally five right. minutes ago from you guys um so uh, <laughs> but then when we got out going you could see that when a car was driving you could see behind them it, there wasn't like a dry area behind the wheel forming. It was just a puddle, like the whole track. So it was mm. not suitable to go racing at all at that point. So, you know, it's only fitting that the two Canadians are the one that's... Because uh, I was literally taking the piss out of Latifi and then they show a shot of strong, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, karma. that's karma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it, it could have happened to anyone. And, but it you know, didn't, though, did it? Happened it? To, well, <laughs> well, it could have happened could have to done. Leclerc and Verstappen, you know, the two title, title protagonists. But it, you know, but it happened to the two guys who are kind of a little bit under pressure, if we're being honest. Like, do you know what I mean? The cherry uh, on top would have been signs. <laughs> the other one is Actually, uh, yeah. got Str a contract for life. life. So, yeah. yeah, don't worry about <laughs> it. I mean, that's fair. <laughs>
He could do whatever he wanted. He could that. have done some donuts and he'd be fine. <laughs> but yeah, literally, if, if if science had also gone off as well, I think that would have been the cherry on top. But I think, yeah, especially down at the um, at the hairpin, ironically, it's like it didn't have much drainage. It didn't seem like that around the, most of the track. It just, just seemed like the puddles were just sort of stationary and weren't really being moved off or anything. Um, it was a bit sketch. I do disagree, though, that like we do have wet tyres for a reason. And like... Yeah, but that's best, too wet. Uh, but, yeah, that's, but, that's when aquaplaning happens. If you're, if the car is level with where the water is, the tires aren't touching the tarmac, and then you're just <coughs> aquaplaning. It's dangerous. You can't go racing. The thing is, as well, these these cars are more susceptible to aquaplaning because they don't have the rake anymore. Yeah. Um, so they're more susceptible to bottoming out, which Ricardo found out in qualifying, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah wow. Just because the setup was way too low. But even then, though, though like I was, I was surprised they didn't like put the safety car out. You know, like, as they did before, to try and like move some of the water off. I was, I was, especially mm. on on his on, on Bert's uh, birthday as well. Like giving some like laps yeah, around. Giving some laps. Yeah. I think literally. I think I think that would have been the what would have been like one of the first ways to actually start to dissipate some of the water, getting it properly off. Just having a car go around, actually seeing what the levels are, if it is safe to drive or not. So I was a bit confused again, like why that wasn't happening. I think we all were because, yeah, the drivers were complaining over the radio saying, why aren't we racing yet? So I was surprised that the safety car didn't sort of go around when everyone was sort of stationary still in the um, in the pit lane. But yeah, it was also a bit weird as well in terms of communication where like the first three laps were kind of behind the safety car. So it's kind of like, okay, the lights out, lights out have gone and we are racing, but yeah, we're still... Yeah, there wasn't that big build-up, was there? Yeah, really? exactly that. So it was just a bit confusing of like thinking, okay, the race now has started. Um, mm. But then when the race did start, you know, we saw Leclerc have actually a really good send-off, really, literally out of the last corner. And then I think within a lap or two, he was already like four seconds ahead, I think it was. I think, I don't know if he got caught napping or, or everyone else got caught napping or anything like that. Or Yeah, I feel like yeah. I feel like Charles was, was doing a good job out front, kind of building a bit of a gap to Carlos. But I mean, I was actually quite, I was quite pleasantly surprised by how clean they kind of, most of the field, field was able to keep it, given how sketchy the conditions yeah. were, Aldas. Because like, I, I think that's like, that was, you know, there was the fear going into it that we'd see kind of, I was getting a bit, I was getting spa flashbacks. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was really concerned that this race wasn't going to go ahead at some points because of the, the drainage, I suppose, because we're not used to this at Monaco, are we? And especially given the fact that I think, in, and it was the uh, FIA steward that actually, you know, said this, they hadn't done any wet running at all. I mean, it was all dry mm. throughout practice and qualifying. This was their first wet weather run was in a competitive session, lap one of the mm. race. So very sketchy. It always gets my, like the butterflies going. Even as a fan watching, I'm just like, oh my God, this looks sketchy. But they're the best drivers in the world. You know, the extreme wet tires are there. That's that's what it's all about. And ultimately, we saw with like Leclerc's pace. I mean, yes, it was very wet, but there was, you know, there was plenty of performance there in the track. It wasn't as if like they couldn't race on it, but... It was an exciting, I think it was really exciting. It was a bit frustrating that I think it literally took like an hour until we actually got the first lap of the actual yeah. race once we finished all the mm. red flags and the formation laps. But yeah, I feel like it was a good kind of, it gave the race something and I actually quite like it. Cause again, it gives us that unpredictability. It gives us that kind of, we don't know what's going to happen. And the worst place to be sometimes is leading because you can't call the strategy. So, and yeah, Leclerc definitely found that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, Hayden, like that. I mean, well, the first—I think the first person to go onto was it Gasly. I think he was the first yeah, to go yeah. onto Inters and was doing quite well. But yeah, obviously, exactly as Aldas Aldas said, like Ferrari's out of front. Red Bull played the strategy game to perfection, really, didn't they? Yes, but also so did Science. 
Like I was a hundred percent agreeing with science throughout the whole time that he was saying, oh, no, I don't want to pit. I want to stay on wets and go to dries. We saw it in 2016, Lewis Hamilton. True. I know he only really jumped Ricardo because they didn't have the tires ready in 2016, but sorry to bring back flashbacks, Matt. Um, but <laughs> you know, he did that strategy and it paid off for him because it puts him back in the fight with Ricardo and science did it again here. You know, I think that what cost them this time around was that the, uh, overcut was powerful when you switched it to the uh, to the to the wets, but the undercut. Mm. So the other way, the undercut was powerful when you switched to inters, but the overcut was powerful when you switched to the dries because with the hard tyres, just took a lot longer for them to get up to temperature. So if you were still out on these intermediates, like the two Red Bull drivers were, you were a lot quicker at that stage, and that's how they jumped them. So it was great strategy from Science, ruined by Ferrari going too early onto the dries but you know i gotta give credit to, to science because i fully agreed with him when he was saying don't come in and when Charles pitted i knew he was going to be angry with it but it wasn't the team's call the team was telling science to box and he was just like i'm not boxing you can call me in all you want you can get the pit crew ready all you want but i'm not coming in and it was the right call yeah it's like that executive decision i don't know where, where does it sit with you matt in terms of the the balance of because again i i think obviously yeah Charles could have done the same as Carlos and, and, and refused to come in for the Inters. But I don't know, it's easy It's easy to say in hindsight, but I feel like the, the, the buck stops with Ferrari, surely. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you've got to remember as well, like the drivers really do have to trust the teams with like the strategy because they've got so much more yeah. data than what the driver has. The driver is just concentrated on their own race, whereas it's all the other strategy teams, either at Monaco or back in their home base, um, looking at everyone and seeing what's working best. So if your strategist is telling you to box straight away, you are doing basically what it is. It's great that, you know, science did, did have that forefront and it was correct in that one instance. But then just imagine if it wasn't the case, if he did swap over yeah. and then it, then it fell flat, it would be slam dunk straight onto him and Ferrari would have hated that. But yeah. unfortunately... You're a hero yeah. if you pull it off. You're a exactly clown if that. Yeah. you don't. And we've seen it before That's, with other cases yeah. where, you know, drivers... They think they can have a good tyre strategy. They swap it over and it hasn't worked for whatever reason. I think science, yeah, great call from him to get it done. But unfortunately, yeah, with Ferrari's case on the other side of the garage, it's literally, the, it's just massive pain on them because it's just clear dunk. They they lost Leclerc this race because it's just all down to strategy. Um, and I've, you can tell the frustration he had. And even after the race, Leclerc was saying no words um, to the team over the radio, just so frustrated. I think we all were. He was seething when he had us. He was seething. <laughs> I saw, uh, no, I didn't see, I heard the uh, uncensored version of his radio and it was painly. <laughs> yep, like you could just hear in his voice, he was like, what is going on here? Like, why have you just done that? And like, I mean, it's a weird one because also, by the way, both of the Ferraris, like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but they got massively hampered by both of the Williams. Uh, Alex Albon on the Leclerc side and also oh, Latifi yes. on the science, like mm -hmm. on their outlaps. I think it was science on the, um, yeah, on his uh, dry tie. And then I think it was Leclerc on the inter massive, like there was blue flags and none of the Williams were getting out of the way. And no. I think it was actually Albon that came out after the race and he was like, yeah, I don't care that I had blues or something like that. And I was just like, I mean, that kind of needs to be looked at, you know I mean? Like you can't be set. You've got blue flags for a reason and they literally got held up for about a Blue's lap. So that I will be the first to admit Albon had a, proper bozo race yeah. yesterday and that that's was why you left it. early that was the real reason see you later i was starting to well up so i was like i can't do it anymore no um, I, yeah yeah that was yeah that uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later i think I, we'll talk about that in the head-to-heads because yeah i don't know what he was doing to be honest like don't get me wrong i love him but I don't endorse Latifi his, did it to uh, science as well though so i don't know if it was like what was going yeah. on there but the ferrari so don't yeah worry, they did get on floor a little bit. but yeah 
shut up, Matt. <laughs> Ricardo, right? You don't, you can't say anything. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I'm that. that no, uh, to be honest, like I, I think, yeah, the the buck has to stop with Ferrari. Obviously, you see on the onboard, they call him in for hards, and then I I just don't understand. We I don't think we've had clarification like externally from Ferrari why that initial call came in because um, it does seem a bit you know they were they would have had to double stack it's like double stacking at Monaco as well when pit timing is so critical Red even that on its own you think that's a bit questionable yeah but I mean Leclerc still lost time like he you can see from his onboard yeah. he wasn't able to slide straight into the pit he did have to hold it hold back a bit so I don't know what Ferrari were doing it seems the hex is still alive and well and you know what like I don't typically believe in 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 these kind of things that he's got like there's a there's a curse or anything but that's now what six Monaco races he's, he's done it. like we haven't even yeah. got to yeah. he, he did finish he it <laughs> he didn't even get a podium man. <laughs> and he was like literally <laughs> on top i mean it's a step in the right direction yeah. i suppose but yeah. but still i guess um so obviously we had all that happen sergio perez came out in front which was can i actually I just say by the way absolutely no one was talking about it on the broadcast by the way i saw it i was like hang on a minute perez is also on the inter but he's yeah. just jumped leclerc not yeah, a single yeah. person on Sky was mentioning. I was like, Leclerc's literally just lost this race, and no one is even talking about it. I was like, what is going on yeah. here? There was there was clear kind of shock, and uh, I think the commentary box they did quite catch that. And you know, I, I think as well, you know, where Sergio's performances have kind of gone under the radar. To be honest, I think he hasn't been as much as noticed as he should be. But um, it wasn't long after that then we saw a pretty big shunt from uh, a Mr. Mick Schumacher and. Uh, that was, I mean, he was saying on the radio, for me, like watching it, he just kind of got a little bit wide. You can see kind of the line he took in and then obviously treads on the brakes when there is a dry line and a dry line only. But I mean, as there's a few drivers across the grid who really need some good performances and I feel like Mick Schumacher's one of them. And unfortunately, Matt, it's another hefty bill for Haas. Yeah. Budget cap as well, not good. It does now raise up the conversation of like, mixed sort of future with the team because like as like he's having this reputation now you know it's, it's easy us you know to joke at the canadians and to science you know like always putting into the wall or crashing or anything like that but then mick also needs to be part of that conversation and actually kind of be at the forefront because yeah it's yet again another big crash for the team and they've talked about it before they can't really afford it because because of the budget caps they've got but also because of the lack of budget um and this is not like a, a quick fix. The whole car split in half. I don't know if that's just due to the design of the car, but yeah, it's fully written off. That I'm, I'm sure that like the whole chassis and everything inside is going to have to be replaced. And I'm worried that we're going to come to a point of the season where like if we see another crash like this from Mick Schumacher, then I'm worried that Haas just literally might not even have like the parts for, uh, like to help him out anymore. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, Hayden, you you said it in 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 back seat. Like he's. he's you know, Jeddah was ultimately, it was an unfortunate, but it was on him. He did it on his own. An- yep. Another kind of heart-stopping accident for Mick yep. Schumacher. As Mick good. Schumacher's got a big fan base and I'm going to upset a lot of people here, but I'm going to keep on banging this drum. He needs to, you know, have a look at what, what he's doing because it's not good enough. It's not good enough. At the moment, you know, he's, he's got to be worried about that seat. I don't know about the future of of, of, of Joe in, in Alpha because I know Thierry Porcher is very much pipped for that seat if he has a really good F2 season. Um, but at the moment, I'd 100% pick Joe over Schumacher. 
Schumacher hasn't had extremely amazing performances this season. I can't think of a race where I'd be like, you have done an incredible job today. Because it's, compared to his teammate, he's not there. He's not there. It was quite funny, actually, though. Magnussen literally retired just before that, and it was just not talked about at all. I was just like, well, all of a sudden, Magnussen's out. And then you see the car in a crash, and Magnussen's looking at the TV, just yeah. like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> literally, but as well. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, Perfect Joe, timing. literally, he's had one crash, and that is in the sprint race going wheel mm. to wheel with Gazi. And I think that was, I can't, I think that was a racing instant between the two of them because they yes. were both side by side for a, for a high speed uh, or medium mm. speed corner. But, that's one bin in how many races and sessions. Like he's had few failures. He's had a bit of bad luck as Joe so far this season. And yeah, for me, you know, he's got to be looking over his shoulder for other people who are going to be potentially taking that seat because Haas might be looking at that going, Joe's bringing him money and also is not taking it away from us by crashing the car every weekend. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, what do you, what do you think I would ask? Cause I, you know, I, I think there's been glimpses of, of one lap pace. I think in quality, he was only a tenth off of Kev. So I think there, in terms of pace, it is there at times. But again, I, I think we're seeing a driver who had a really, you know, unhelpful rookie season with a bozo teammate and he wasn't really able to learn at the back of the grid. And I think that's that's showing that's shining through right now. This was unbelievable. Like th this is, that should not have happened. And like, I, th I think he's basically gone. I had to double check because he still hasn't scored any points, and that is just ridiculous yeah, in that he car. Hasn't. Like that's that the cannot be two happening. Holkenberg and Latifi. You yeah. shouldn't be on the same level. Latifi as those above. Two. Latifi, <laughs> by the way, can we just say Holkenberg above Latifi? Let's just you know mention that one real quick. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, this is unbelievable. Uh, we are we are we even a third of the way through the season, and he's already had no. two basically two massive crashes, and two mm. chassis like that. That's two chassis gone. Now that's unbelievable in terms of the money that that's going to cost. That doesn't even account for like all of the crashes that he had last year, which kind of went under the radar because obviously Mazepin was crashing as well. Now, I think uh, it was uh, Matt that mentioned science as well, that he had a lot of crashes in his first season at Ferrari last year, but he's he's someone who actually has the performance to back it up. Like with science, yes, he's going to bend the car at some point because he's always kind of trying to find the limit. And we saw that last year, but he brings the performance and he brings the points. Schumacher is having, I mean, he's having a horrible season and this is mm. not, this is really bad for him. Like I'm a, I really want Mick to be good. Uh, he's such a nice guy, obviously, and he is a good is, is driver. Is that just because of his name? Like, no, nothing to do with his name. Like, I, to be honest, I don't really... Bruno Senna at the end of the day, you know, was put in the sport because of <laughs> Senna, and look what happened to him. He yeah, was but the nowhere Hang on, no, no, no. But, but the difference Bruno is that Senna. you do have Memories. a back-to-back, -back, like, what is it, Formula champion in terms of Formula 3 and Formula 2. So yeah, but it's with not as if the best Mick team doesn't... in the Formula series, you know. I'm not even going to get into that. Like, Are we having, like, a Prima Tax, like, podcast now? What's going on here? But the point is that... Of course the guy has pace. Of course, you know, he's a good driver. There's no doubt about it, but this was the season to really step up and I've meant I think I've actually talked about this on every single podcast if Magnussen wasn't there if Magnussen was not the barometer everyone would say that Haas is like at the back with uh, Aston Martin and Williams and they're just not That's so a good point. he's getting yeah. found out quite a lot and he's I think he's got maybe five races to save his career because he's already I mean I didn't even know how much it's going to cost <sighs> for the team two yeah. chassis mm. in a third of a a third of a season is ridiculous so and I think he's going to have to sell a lot more boats there. That's for I sure. Think he's yeah, and I think you said it's it. Some <laughs> boats. Um, I think you said it good. There, I think you said it. I think you said it perfect there. But like, yeah, Mick Schumacher is a good driver, but Formula One needs great drivers. We've seen this with Magnussen and also with Albon as well. Come coming in, having some time out from the sport in a, to a brand new car which they haven't driven before, and they've outperformed their teammate, and that's such a bad look on them. It makes them like 
it's really embarrassing for them. And like Albon's done a great Reminds job. And so the, uh, the team radio Albon to Latifi or Latifi to Albon. Follow Albon, you might learn something. <laughs> oh, that's quality. <laughs> but like, yeah, as you said before, like Magnussen, for example, yeah, he's had time out of the sport. He's come in and like he's done absolutely bits. And it's, yeah, there's, there's like no no conversation to sort of have of like, yeah, Mick Schumacher is a good driver, but Formula One is deserving the best of the best. And unfortunately, I don't think he's hitting that threshold. Yeah, I mean that that name's only getting. It wasn't that long ago we, you know, Bonotto was talking about you know Schumacher potentially being lined up for you know Ferrari seat in twenty four, twenty five maybe, and I, I think that is now that's a pipe dream now. Mate, I mean, I'm, it's gonna cl- take I'm closer m- to that Ferrari driver at the moment than Mickey. I'm telling you that now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a good thing for science because where science has been having a difficult start, there there yeah. was already chat of oh Ferrari already lining up science's replacement, but it seems that. Mick, unfortunately, which again, like, look, I agree with you guys. Like, he seems like a lovely kid. Like, he's shown a very occasionally good pace, but again, with this cost cap, you can't afford drivers who are sticking it in the wall every week. And yes, I know, like, Joe has been. I think he's been quite far off Valtteri in these last few races. Yep. He's been very unlucky as well with car problems, but he's not been binning it, and that's yeah. just mm-hmm. so important because yeah. you actually you can get the mileage. That's what you need. Mm. And, and I, I don't know if Mick's overdriving. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I just, I, I hope for him he can turn it around. But again, there's such a plethora of young drivers available chomping at the bit. You know, Haas, the American team on the grid, really start going, going back to embracing their Americanness. hopefully. Maybe a Colton Herter. I don't know. There's loads of young drivers who could potentially be getting that seat. So Mick needs to switch it up. Um, all right. So he obviously Mick binned it. Red flag. Well, not not red flag. Actually, you know what? That was I weird. thought this was yeah. well. Well, te- I, I, I think, think this... actually, don't technically it was. It wasn't red flag. It was. Um, I think it did get. Well, it was safety car, wasn't yeah, it? Was safety, it was safety car. car and then, and it, then, then they then just then dragged. Got... Then were, yeah. then because it it's flag. a track like Monaco, they were able to recover the car so quickly. So again, I, that's obviously credit to the marshals because yeah. they're some of the best in the world at Monaco. But also, I guess because it's such a short, confined track, they've got like thirteen cranes. So yeah. I was shocked they were able to recover that Haas. They did. We went racing again and Sergio kept ahead. It yeah. was it was one of them as well. It was so look, obviously Sergio won the race and I'm gassed for Sergio. It was a shame because of the lighting issue. We should have been able to do a standing start and that could I have think been the second very standing start was because not because of the lights this time. I think it was because there's a dry and a wet line and it's just dangerous. When you're on dries the people who are on the wet line, obviously they're going to be... not dried enough by uh, then. No, no, there was just one dry line still. So you have mm. the wet part of the track yeah. that people would be starting on. The wheels will be spinning. You, you, you're going to get a bad start. It's not horrendous. Actually, but then when yeah. you go down into turn one, you're side by side. You're going to get From an entertainment point and, of view, but from yeah. a racing point of view, probably it would have just been, been too fair. Carnage. But, um, but alas... done it. <laughs> I mean, look, if Aldas was in charge, you would have done it, mate. Well, you know, Mick Schumacher's out of the race, so it wasn't too much of an issue down at turn one. So. Lance Stroll was but, still in. He was still oh, racing. Yeah. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> he was. He, yeah, exactly. He only, he only scraped his, uh, his, his wheel cap. He just gave a little crashes. kiss, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lovely. Uh, but yeah, the race restarted. And to be honest, I mean, obviously, you know, I dipped fairly soon after this, but, you know, as far as I'm aware, in terms of, you know, it, it stayed as is. Sergio kept ahead. Fernando produced a massive train. Joe pulled out the save of the century. Yeah. And Sergio Perez won the race. Matt, what more can I say? 
Uh, only other thing is obviously Ocon getting a penalty with uh, some yeah. questionable defending against uh, Hamilton. Um, I think Hamilton was having no luck with both Alpines because he was stuck behind Ocon and oh, he was yes. stuck behind Alonso. <laughs> no love lost there. <laughs> Literally the <laughs> widest car ever <laughs> possible. Um, but yeah, like there, there's now been some onboard footage of like Ocon's uh, defending, basically putting from the Hamilton rear camera as well from the rear camera. And so we we only I think we only saw in the broadcast the one instance, the first instance mm -hmm. of um, Ocon with his harsh defending. But then there was uh, another offence, which I believe is what he actually got his five second penalty for, where there was contact and does look like Hamilton almost went into the wall uh, going into turn one, which yeah. could have caused yet again another red flag because both of them would have gone into the temporary barriers. Um, but then, yeah, Alonso just uh, knowing the car wasn't quite there with him, so he just made himself as wide as possible. And uh, there's a great photo online showing the track map of all the front runners on one section of the track and all everyone else on the other side just stuck behind because it's just it impossible the, to overtake. It was the team radio from Bono. It was just like how far the driver's in front. It was just like, I think you should be worried about how close they are coming behind you now. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually and saw after on the classification, I think Fernando finished uh, behind Lando and I think the gap was like 32 40, seconds. 30, yeah, 36. Yeah, something Insane, like that. It yeah. was like 32 and or 36. And like, it was fair play. And it was getting worrying for him. I don't know why he doesn't know, like, do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't really, I don't get it. it very, I'm, none of us are Formula One drivers, but we can blatantly see that that sort yeah. of time management was not necessary. I feel necessary. like maybe, maybe it could have been communication from the team. Maybe he thought, if I back him up into Ocon, Ocon can get him here, but not knowing about the penalty but for that's Ocon. Even worse. So no, maybe no, it's something yeah. like that. But that's even worse. Like True. I said, we, before we started recording, like, if, if Fernando actually, by the, by the way, he went four seconds a lap quicker at the end of the race. Like he pulled out yeah, one yeah. lap that was four seconds quicker. That was just like, right, that's his actual <laughs> pace. But like, he yeah. could have actually helped his team out in terms of yeah. like, if he uh, made a gap to the rest of the grid, I think it was Seb that was behind Ocon. Mm. If, if perhaps, you know, Esteban could have got a five second gap to Sebastian, it could have been a double point score. So... I love mm, Fernando, but less. he just has these moments. I don't know what was going through his head. Maybe it was a bit of a kind of Hamilton agenda, but it was just, I think it was needless, to be honest. I don't know. Conspiracy theory, you know. <clears throat> Ocon's been scoring a lot more points than Alonso so far this season. So he's like, do you know what? I need to put him back a bit to make myself look a bit better. If well, I make sure that this penalty I wouldn't put it past gets him. out of the points. But I mean, like, if yeah, I was... Fernando loves teammate mind games. But like, if, if I was Alonso and I've been told Ocon's got a five-second five penalty and we need to sort of get ahead, like... If you are wanting to help out your teammate, I, I would think then you do want to then hold up Hamilton so then you've got a bare chance to pass him. Otherwise, if you do extend the lead, then you're not going to have much as, you're not going to be close yeah, to him. Yeah, but you're not passing much. anyone around. But I, yeah. I think, yeah. A balance between mm. Ocon, you know, maybe getting, you know, still a P10 and maybe getting a, a point and yeah. keeping those gaps big versus giving him the opportunity to potentially pass Hamilton, which I don't think was, you know, yeah. was likely. Yeah. Also, yeah. in terms of the penalty, Obviously, because it was it was misleading, really. I think from the, the broadcast, because you know I was still watching when you know we saw the hole where Lewis tried to cut the inside into turn one, wasn't alongside uh, enough to be you know to, to be owed the space as far as I was concerned. But then yeah. that's the one that we all seem to think was being penalised for the five second, but it was mm. the squeeze into the wall. So I, so I think the first one for me racing incident, second one definitely a penalty for Ocon. Would you agree, boys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the wall squeeze. So <laughs> he hasn't seen the race, well. mate. He hasn't seen the race. Well, well, yeah, what happened I, yesterday? Yeah, because you're meant to be awake, Caden. <laughs> <laughs> I think also because on the broadcast, because we kept hearing Hamilton's radio being like, 
no, that's not cool, report it. And a lot of us were just like, no, mate, you weren't alongside him, but that's the only one we saw. But if we exactly. if we saw that replay, all of us would be like, no, absolutely, slam dunk, penalty. Yeah, slam dunk. And yeah. then that's what happened. So, um, yeah. I don't know why Ocon was complaining so much about it, because that's a, you know, that is a slam. That, that kind of gave me uh, Ocon Perez vibes from the Force India days, <laughs> um, where they used to squeeze each other into walls for fun. Um, talking to Perez, he won. Which, hey. you know what, like, they played the strategy... He was quicker than Verstappen for most of the weekend. He was, you know, it was tight at the end. All four of them were within, what, two seconds, second and a half. Um, but Sergio Perez wins the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> I was super happy for him um, because I think, you know, especially after last weekend where he was, he definitely was a bit shafted by the team. There's there's no question. I know Horn has come out now and said, oh, we're, we're giving both drivers equal opportunity. But I think, you know, Sergio took it, took the opportunity by the scruff of the neck. And, you know, it's not easy when you've got, you know, Carlos Sainz was breathing down his neck for those last few laps. Sergio stayed ahead. Aldas, what do you think? Happy? I am always happy whenever Checo has a good result and especially when he gets a win. <laughs> I've had a lot of stock in Sergio Perez. He was my driver of the season in 2020. That was massively controversial at the time. I still go back to the fact that the guy mid-2020 didn't even have a seat, didn't even have a future in Formula 1. And I always knew that he was a quality driver. Like his story is like, he is almost like the, he's the pay driver that actually went on to, maybe it wasn't the world champion pay driver, you know, like likes a louder, but like he actually grinded his way up the grid into a top seat. Mm. He had a okay season at Red Bull in 2021. You know, it wasn't great, but there were some highlights where he picked up the pieces when everything was dropped. And now he's like yep. really comfortable. He's never going to beat Max over the course of the season because he doesn't have the consistency. He doesn't have the raw pace. Like across a 23-24 race season, he's never going to, you know, kind of mm -hmm. outscore Max. But he's picking them up when he can. And he's doing the job on track. He's not a liability in terms of crash damages. So he's just a solid driver. Eight out of 10 performance every single race, basically, across the season. And he's just, yeah, I mean, he just gets on with the job. Like, he doesn't, I've always kind of said about Sergio that he's not the guy that's massively loved online because he doesn't have this massive personality or like, uh, you know, following kind of outside of Mexico. But yeah, he's just, he's doing the job. And I mean, now only five points behind Leclerc and that's consistency right there. So yeah, especially in the constructors, this is massive because the championship mm. is going to come down to Leclerc or Verstappen. We know that, but the constructors, I mean, Red Bull are looking strong and... Yeah, what a race to win. Everyone, just one last thing. Everyone always says, you know, Monaco's so boring and all of that, but ask Sergio Perez, you know, how it feels uh, to not be able to overtake around Monaco and you will see what kind of answer he gives you. So yeah, very happy to see uh, Sergio win it. Good. Uh, uh, you know, there's nothing quite like Sergio Perez's smile. I think, Matt, I think he's got, he's, he just, he just looks so chuffed. He did the front flip into the pool as well. <laughs> Um, it was great because he just walks up the stairs and just jumps yeah, straight in. He doesn't even like, really think about it. It's just straight in, boom, Absolutely. Job and I think the one thing we were all hoping was to see was his dad. Like, we all remember the images of him in Mexico, but all of us kind of wanted his dad there holding the Mexican flag. And that's one thing I actually really enjoyed seeing. Um, down uh, just before the tunnel, um, the marshals, <laughs> um, just before the tunnel entry, the marshals there have all the flags of all the nationalities. So they were able to give Checo his flag, waving it down. And so, and I said on backseat driver that that's going to be a photo in his house, him and Monaco holding the Mexican flag because, like, let's say he did win in Barcelona. I think Monaco would have meant more to him. Like, having that, like, truly historic trophy in his trophy cabinet, I think it really means something to win something around Monaco, even if, like, yeah, there wasn't loads of overtaking or anything like that. To have that win for him is so, so nice. Um, but obviously, Hayden is a massive fan of Monaco. So what do you think of uh, Paris winning? 
Perez win. I, I was so happy. Before the um, race started, well, even qualifying, I wanted Perez on pole because I thought he was hard done by in Spain. To be taken away mm. that race win this early on the season because of team orders, I just think is is wrong. When you've got a driver who is kind of still in the fight, like he's he's only 15 points off mm. of Max now. I just did the maths quickly while, whilst you were talking. And if Perez had won Spain, he would be one point off of Verstappen and one point ahead of Leclerc. So he would be straight up in this fight. So they have shafted him there in Spain, in all fairness. Did they, but, though? Like, did he really have the pace? Yes, I yes, mean, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to overtake to go and attack Russell. Wouldn't have been stuck behind them lot for ages. And I guess we'll never know. So many times. That's I the question, we'll never know. Yeah, but, that's the right I mean, answer. We'll never know. <laughs> if, in this alternate universe, he would have been one point behind and one point ahead. So, But, yeah, it was massive for him. Um... And like I said at the start, I've been a bit of a critique of Perez because I think that he's just been the, doing the job that he is supposed to do as a driver in Red Bull. You know, you're supposed to be aiming for podiums. If you're doing an amazing job, you're beating Max Verstappen. And now he is on that similar level. You know, he is beating Max Verstappen in the last two races. So, yeah, it's been it's, it's absolutely massive for him. It's because he wiped big, the floor with Stroll, result. isn't it? It's because he wiped the floor with Stroll two years in a row. <laughs> you can just say it, we all know it. Get in the bin, mate. Get in the bin. The bitterness <laughs> is clear and present, Hayden. Um, but there we go. Sergio Perez won. Um, head to head time now. We'll rack through this quickly um, because we've been a fifth. We, we talked for a long time. There's four we do of do us. do a lot of waffle. Fair. So uh, yeah. this is going to happen. Um, all right. First of all, I guess start with Red Bull. We'll go. I'll give mine then. So I'll go. We'll go. Me, Matt, Aldas, Hayden. Go through Red Bull. Starting head to head. Sergio Perez. Absolutely. Most of the weekend seemed to be more on top of the car than Max, and finished ahead of him. Easy. Perez. Yeah. Same for me. Perez. I think slam dunk. I think it's yeah. He did as Aldas said. He did everything he was meant to do on the day. Clear winner of uh, of it. And um, yeah, easy easy one for me. Yeah, it's got to be Checo Perez. There is a bit of uh, crashing out in a Q3 tax there, but you've got to set the lap. You've got to set the lap first. But and he and he, and he it works. It works. Did it perfectly in the race as well. So yeah, Checo Perez. Checo Perez as well. Easy one. Easy four nil to Sergio. Well done, right? Ferrari. Um, Ferrari. As much as science did finish ahead of Charles. I don't know. To be fair, I think Carlos did step up. Um, I think he was close to Charles all weekend, but. He Charles was kind of Science did make a good call staying on the wets, but I am going to give it to Leclerc. He really should have won that race, <laughs> and it wasn't really his fault that he didn't. So I'm, but but credit to Science. I'm going to give it to Leclerc, but Science was much closer this weekend, which was nice to see. Yeah, like they were very much. I think the the, the performance for from both of them, the gap between them is now definitely shrunk. I I do have to give it to Leclerc. He. Didn't do anything wrong this weekend, I and mean, it's just down to the team, in my in my opinion. And then like like he had a good margin before any of those calls were made, and yeah, literally just due to the strategy, that's what that's made it lose. But uh, yeah, it's Le- Leclerc for me. It's actually a bit tricky because Leclerc <clears throat> had the pace all weekend. I- I'm probably gonna go with Leclerc, but the only thing I will say why maybe I'm gonna give it to Science actually, but because he recognized that Ferrari, you know, their strategy was not right. He made the decision himself and that's what a driver can impact. He can choose whether to come into the pits or not. Leclerc chose to kind of, you know, trust Ferrari, but science knew from the beginning, I am not going on the inter track position. I'm going from wet to dry. So I'm going to give it to science, but don't get me wrong. Leclerc, I mean, he had the pace all weekend long and he would have won that race, but just because he took the strategy into his own hands, 
you know, that's no fault yeah. of Leclerc, obviously, but I'm going to give it to Sainz. That's the same reason I'm going for Carlos Sainz as well. Leclerc might have been faster, but Sainz had the big brain strat. He had the, he had the head on him. And fair if it play, wasn't for play. Ferrari's strategy, you know, going too early on the hards, Carlos Sainz would have been the race winner. He would have beaten Charles Leclerc because Sainz was ahead of him, regardless mm. of anything. You know, Sainz was ahead of Leclerc. Mm -hmm. So they screwed him over more in the strategy. He was two so, steps ahead of the Ferrari bottle job. Fair enough. Room is split. <laughs> well, no, I can appreciate both sides. So I ain't got a problem with that. Right. Mercedes, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton. I think I think we've got us. I've got to say George, to be honest. Like, I, I don't really like George out qualified Lewis, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And yeah. um, mm -hmm. brought the result home. P5, another top five finish. Another one. I mean, I don't think Lewis did too much wrong because, again, he was caught, you know, stuck behind Esteban, stuck behind Fernando. But if I'm going to give it to anyone, I've probably got to give, give it to George. Yeah. Same with your chest. George Russell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, literally, my prediction, bang on perfect. You know, uh, George, uh, George Russell, um, P5. I mean, Lewis Hamilton, yeah, he got, he got stuck behind um, the Alpines and stayed in eighth way qualified. George Russell moved up to fifth. I've got to give it to George. It's, yeah, clear as day for me in that one. Uh, King Russell, for sure. No doubt about it. But I was actually on Lewis. Yes, he got a little bit unlucky in the race, but he made a mistake in qualifying because I read the qualifying report afterwards and he actually, because it was a bit weird. When I saw qualifying, he was ahead of George Russell on their like runs and he moved out of the yeah. way just before the tunnel. And the reason he did that is because he didn't do a good enough lap and he started the lap on a wrong engine mode. So, you know, obviously he was unlucky with the red flag to not get another run, but you've got to make those runs count. And that's on Lewis in the end of the day to, to be in the wrong engine mode and not out-qualify George. So... Yeah, he obviously, you know, George out-qualified Lewis and then overtook Lando as well, which is good. And another top five, mate. Another top five. Mr. Consistency. Another one. PR63, absolutely bossing it, mate. <laughs> well, the more you know. Thank you for that information, Aldas Kravitz. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go for George Russell as well. It's, it's an easy one. Uh, my British bias will come out between these two. Um, so, yeah, George Russell for me. Easy. Right, it's that time, Matt. McLaren, Lando, <laughs> Norris, Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo had this excuse. He had this excuse. He had a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least my guy didn't bid it. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He did it. Uh, so hang on. So it's and that was due to the Lando team. <laughs> P five in quali, and then yeah. Daniel P fourteen finishing. What? So Lando brought it home P six in the end, just behind Daniel Russell P13. as well. Two tenths behind in the end. Uh, fastest lap as well um, mm. for Lando. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's Lando Norris. I, I think that, that they, again, obviously, Daniel's this driver who he needs a good weekend. And it's yet another not good weekend where he's <laughs> been convincingly outperformed by his teammate. Look, budget cap. McLaren can't afford to develop a car that works for Daniel when they've got, already got a car that works so well for Lando. That's just the way it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned uh, but yeah, it's an easy dub for Lando. I really want Daniel to do well because I love him, but it's not looking good, Matt. Yeah, I mean, at least he didn't get lapped this time. So uh, take the small victories Progress. where you can. <laughs> you know what? You've got to take those. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's clearly got to go to Lando. I mean, like he had a like a. It might have been due to Lando's pace, but also because of the gap behind him to Alonso was about thirty seconds. So he said it to the team, "I want to start pushing the car. If I do make a mistake, I've got that buffer." Um, and then yeah, he then came in, then swapped onto the mediums, went for the fastest lap, and then literally. 
after having a 30 second gap to Russell, literally was two tenths behind him on the start finishing line on the last lap. He literally P5, I think one more, two more laps, maybe even could have got it there on better tyres. But nah. yeah, it's it's unfortunately, uh, yeah, for Russell. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately not for Russell, unfortunately for Ricardo. Yeah, having to prove yourself when you go straight into Monaco, it's going to be so hard and like, yeah. Having a, a crash in FP3 does knock your confidence. Like, you know, some people are talking about the setup being too low for him and it being bottoming out. That's my opinion. But yeah, it's hard and it's a difficult it's one for him to bounce off his. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just it's not Bottas. But I mean, like, ultimately, <laughs> it's it's not, he, at least he didn't make any mistakes in the race on like Stroll. But yeah, it's got to go to uh, Norris <laughs> in this one. <laughs> he literally finished one place ahead of Stroll and they caught quite, quite Exa away. Exactly <laughs> that. I, we're still ahead, so. <laughs> Come without us. Um, I mean, obviously it, go, it goes to Lando and actually really quickly, that, that was a bit of a bozo moment by Alonso again because because of how slow he was driving. He he basically gave the gap to, to Norris to pit again and go for the fastest lap. So he get, basically gave another point to McLaren who are their rivals, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Lando did a great job uh, all weekend long, but I've got a video actually, This probably this uh, week coming out on Ricardo because plug. he's in trouble, big plug. He's in <laughs> so trouble. So do you, Tommy, don't you? <laughs> does he? Oh, does he? There Maybe. we go. Back to back, <laughs> check him out. But he's in trouble. He's in big <laughs> trouble. There's so, the past week, there's been so many like little sly comments and talks about potential contracts, you know, whether they're going to run out or not. And when you look at that tight midfield and where McLaren wants to go, like, as good as Daniel Ricciardo is. And I do still believe that. I think it's kind of a bit of a Red Bull situation at the moment in terms of like the car just isn't working for him, you know, like it was with Albon and Gasly and maybe he does need to move on. Mm. But yeah, it's, mm. I'm not even sure if he's going to be at that team to be honest next year because the vibes are just so weird at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, he, he's still, the destiny is still in his hands to maybe improve, but it's not as if he's not trying, but time's running out. Time is running out indeed. Lando Norris for me, I mean, it's an easy one. Uh, I think it's it's a shame for him because I think he made the call early to do what they ended up doing, pitting for mediums and just going for the, that attack. And if they listened to him, whether he would have overtaken Russell, it's Monaco. You know, it's a classic track. You know, we've we've seen it so many years that it is difficult to overtake here. I've got a video going out today about classic tracks that might be in F122. So if we're all plugging, then I might as well plug as well. Matt, um, do you have a Monaco video that you might want to plug? <laughs> or did you know they still hire scuba divers? Matt's got more than enough views on his. He doesn't need to plug uh, that. <laughs> okay, anyway, back to what I was talking about. Um, it, it's a shame he didn't have the chance to uh, properly uh, try and overtake. Whether he would have done yeah. it, who knows. Um, but yeah, for Lando Norris, it's a really weird situation in McLaren because, you know, as much as I will bash Matt for for Daniel Ricciardo, he's not a bad driver. He did such a great job in Red Bull, and even in Renault in second year, he did such a great job as well. Mm. So it's yeah, a weird true. one. Is Lando Norris just an amazing talent? Is the car better suited to Lando? Who knows? I guess Aldas is going to be looking into this in a video this week or something. But yeah, Lando <laughs> Norris is is my one today. Big up that. Yeah, part. I mean it's easy, isn't it? And and yeah, I mean again. As well, yeah, that's the thing. Yes, Daniel's having a bad time, but don't let that distract from the fact that Lando Norris is continuing mm -hmm. to do a phenomenal job at that team. Um, yeah. No question. Right, Alpine. Uh, it's another easy one. I, I, look, I, I know, obviously, Alonso, you know, 
could have maybe played the team game a bit more, maybe didn't need to go as slow as he did, but ultimately he brought home P7, didn't push, didn't squeeze Hamilton into the barrier. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it was a pretty good race for Esteban, but that's a huge kind of mark on his uh, scorecard, a mark down on his scorecard. So for me, it's 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 Alonso for sure. Um, he he Yeah, he has to take the dub out of the two of them, surely. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's got to go to Alonso. Um, he might have been holding up people and it might not have been beneficial for his teammate or for anyone else racing. But yeah, out-qualified and scored high in the race. So I think it's quite an easy one to go to Alonso on this. Doesn't take a lot of effort for me to give Alonso the dub in any circumstance. But yeah, it was it's just a bit weird. I don't know. I feel like there's a few things coming into Fernando in terms of like maybe a bit of pressure about the whole Oscar Piastri situation. He sees this, you know, he knows the fact that he look he looks at the championship and he's like, I'm driving at the same level as Ocon, maybe even a tiny bit better in 2022, but the points don't don't show it. So maybe there's a bit of that kicking I in. That. I mm. can never count it out with Fernando. But yeah, I mean, I've got to give it to Alonso. It was a really good race and a good bounce back because again, it was a recovery in Spain and he scored points, which is great, but he, st- he needs to start actually qualifying and scoring good points, which he has because he's got the talent even now. So yeah, Fernando Alonso. Yeah, Alonso as well. Did the job in qualifying, even though he did bin it on the last lap as well, but he got he <laughs> oh, yeah. the lap in <laughs> first. That. Um, <laughs> I just came out of nowhere, the by lap the way. In first to, to get that position and, you know, Monaco, he knows he's raced here so many times. It's so difficult to overtake and he knew that the car didn't have the pace to attack McLaren or, or Russell. So just park the bus and, and hope for the best in it. And it worked out for him. So Fernando. Alonso. Yeah, I, th- I think actually, um, I know Ocon missed out quite a lot with the, with the red flag in, in quality as well. Cause I think his first sector was, was slight, well, he's pretty much on par with Fernando. Mm-hmm. So, but no, Fernando missed out as well, but obviously he binned it. He was quite critical of himself, but ultimately P7 at Monaco, you could be pretty happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo, Valtteri, Bottas and Joe Guanyu. Um I mean, it's it's Bottas, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. P nine in the end, uh, pretty good. Started P twelve. I'm pretty sure he qualified. Um, obviously, benefited from the Ocon penalty, um, so that pushed him up a position as well. But yeah, I just think you know, Bottas is is getting the mileage in in that car. He's not crashing. He's not having incidents. It's exactly what that team needs. They've got a solid base there, and I think Valtteri's been. Of like this season so far he's been very consistent he's been a top tier driver he's getting the most out of that car and again I, I think the better that Bottas does the more Joe Guan is going to learn from him this is what I mean about Mick Schumacher not learning any, anything in his rookie season from his teammate you know Joe's got a driver with what over 10 years experience about 10 years experience in F1 um, alongside him so yeah Bottas takes the dub shame for Joey um, great save from his tank slapper yeah, absolutely. What a save that was. That was but such a good... Bottas takes the dub. Such a sketchy moment, but yeah, really good save from him. But yeah, I've got to go to Bottas as well. I'm just I'm just really loving the vibe Bottas is bringing this season. Like, mm. like he's performing really well with, with the team. Absolutely. And like, even, you know, we've seen the whole memes of him uh, giving a frame poster of um, of his lovely photo of him naked in a stream or a river to Lewis lovely, Hamilton. And it's just stuff like I'm that. Which, my my parcel. Yeah, literally. <laughs> And I'm just loving this whole vibe. He's under no real pressure to deliver. And so I think having like his defences down, it's making him perform well on track. The only times where he's had any issues is due to the car reliability, not through his own fault or anything. And like I'm, this is now, I think, the Bottas 2.0 that we're all kind of wanting to see. Um, but yeah, in terms of the race, yeah, Show had some good moments and a, a sort of um, yeah, that awesome save he did as well. But yeah, it's got to go to Bottas for me. I will say, to be fair, in um, 
in Joe's de uh, defense, like in Q uh, Q1, I think, they literally sent both of the Alfa Romeos out with like a minute 20 to go when the entire field was already in front of them. So it was like, you know, what's really the point? And their garage is like right at, you know, right at the uh, closest yeah, point true. to the pit exit. Yeah. So they, no they don't even have that excuse. But yeah, it's got to be Bottas. I mean, he's definitely been maybe even the driver of the season when you look at the inconsistencies, perhaps at some of the drivers up front, because he's thoroughly ahead of uh, Ocon, I think, in that midfield. And he's just been banging the points every single race. And even when he didn't in uh, Saudi, it was because he retired. So yeah, I mean, he's just, he's incredible. There's no doubt about it. And uh, again, I've kind of said this, I don't think he's a different driver to the one that he was at Mercedes. I just think the pressure is just completely off his shoulders. The lights are so much yeah. kind of darker. So no one's kind of, lo you know, looking as much as they were in Mercedes. And he's just, yeah, he's performing at his absolute best, which is great to see. But I want to start seeing um, Guan Yu Zhou, you know, start scoring some more points, which is, uh, you know, in the upcoming races as well, because we're getting into some tracks that he has driven on before. So yeah, hopefully yes. he can start mm. picking up the points. I'm the surprise of the season, pulling it out the bag again. Valtteri Bottas is, he's just doing an incredible job in that team. And like you say, I don't think he's a different driver. I don't think he's a sensational driver like a Lewis Hamilton or Leclerc or Verstappen, but he is a great driver. And people are starting to see this again. You know, he was so hyped in 2016 when he was driving and the Williams doing incredible jobs. He's did a good job in Mercedes. You know, he, he like I was saying about Perez this season, he's doing the job he was supposed to do. That's what he was doing for, for Merck. You know, he wasn't winning races, but he was backing up his teammate. And it's good to see that people... Put a bit more respect on him. Shout out to Joe. It's actually his birthday today, so I've sent him a pair of boxes because um, he's going to need a new pair birthday, after, Joe. Uh, it's after true. that save yesterday. Um, this podcast but, is not sponsored by Manscaped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually wearing some Manscaped boxes today. Hey. <laughs> They're comfy. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joe, unlucky. I think he's just been unlucky in the last three rounds. Miami, he had a DNF. Um, because of technical, same in Spain. And mm. then here, like Alda said, with the qualifying, was sent out far too late and didn't get an opportunity to even attempt to get out of Q1. So you're starting at yeah. the back in Monaco. It's not where you want to be. And you're mm. just kind of trapped there. Yeah, because so, look, um, he's won at Monaco in F2 as well. You know, yeah, he, he, yeah. he knows the track. But um, I think Valtteri is the hero that Alfa yeah, definitely needed. You know what I mean? I, I think he's got <laughs> that solid, dependable bottom that they can rely on to deliver the <laughs> It's a good team gifts. dynamic between the two of them. It is. It's nice seeing, yeah, it's nice seeing that. Again, I think I think it's the, the job of team managers and principals to, to mm. manage drivers and different drivers respond differently. I think, you know, Toto, you know, always was like, oh, yeah, I, I want to keep the pressure on Valtteri, but maybe that wasn't the best way to manage him. Yeah. So I'm a little bit critical of Toto there because I think we're seeing a better Bottas. Um, what can I say? But yeah, anyway, Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel, Lance Stroll, Seb into Q3 again, most of our qualifier of the day for us mm -hmm. for Saturday because he did a fantastic job in Monaco last year. And as much as it's kind of a shame moving back to P10 would have been out of the points if it wasn't for the Ocon penalty as well. Um, but comes away with a point. Again, this new Aston Martin car, Red Bull, Green, blah, 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 ha, ha, funny. But at the end of the day, they're still trying to understand the car. Um, but obviously Monaco is less car sensitivity is more on the driver to deliver and you know Seb outqualified Stroll drove a solid race no significant mistakes I remember seeing um I could be wrong I don't know but Seb for me takes the dub easy yeah same for me um I've already said my pieces earlier about it I think like Seb just did a really really good job you know yeah it's a shame that yeah he got sort of got caught up behind um but yeah mm -hmm. still to four for him to qualify P10 it's brilliant, I think. So um, good result for him, I think, for the day. I don't think they could have probably achieved any more than that. Um, 
But I think, yeah, I think it's easy enough for this one. Yeah, Vettel for my driver of the day. Yeah, I think the car and the package is definitely improving, like, you know, and they, they're kind of learning about their kind of second car now in 2022. But yeah, I mean, Seb did a great job. He's a really kind of big specialist around Monaco. We saw that last year. And he's kind of been on, like, all season long, he's been on these alternative strategies to kind of, you know, going really long compared to everyone else. And even today, he pitted super early for the Inters as well. They took that risk. Now, I will say, I mean, even Lance was a tiny bit unlucky because I think he literally pitted, like, two laps before Schumacher crashed. But yeah, Seb did a great job. I do think they're going to be a bit disappointed. It's a weird one for Aston Martin, you know. Yeah, they scored points, which is great, but they did go back. So it's kind of like, it's probably a bit of a weird feeling in the garage, but overall the mm. performance was good. Qualifying was amazing. And uh, I think it gives the team hope, you know, going forward that they can kind of kind of start breaking into that midfield uh, more regularly. Yep, got to go with Vettel for this one. As I said earlier, Stroll can't qualify, so this track's never going to be a good one for him. And I think Vettel could have scored more points. I think he was screwed over by the strategy. You look at Alonso, he did the stay out on wets, go to slick strategy, <coughs> same as science. And that, for me, personally, was the best strategy of the day, mm. to go from wets to slicks. And Aston Martin, for some reason, just wanted to go early, put Vettel into traffic. At Monaco, it's just not what you do. Like, why would you put yourself... Same with the Lewis Hamilton going early, put him behind Ocon, and then you're stuck. And it's just like, it just doesn't really... I think work. they were looking at what so, Gasly was doing and like, yeah, we can overtake Yeah, no, uh, Gasly was quick and he was able to overtake, but you're at the back, you can make more risks. And I just feel like... Mm. Um, you know, the, the people that he was overtaking as well, maybe they were making a little bit of mistakes on traction and it was just made it a little bit easier. Uh, whereas the other drivers were just a tank, you know, just putting up the wall and you weren't able to get through. So, yeah, I just feel like Aston Martin kind of screwed Vettel away. I think potentially he could have finished eighth behind Alonso if he had stayed out on the wets um, because Hamilton pitted, went back behind Ocon. So, yeah, I feel like uh, Vettel could have potentially had eighth here today. But, you know, like I say, still points and, and Vettel, for me, has taken that, that, that dub. Another point on the board for us to mine. All right, Alpha Tauri. Oh, this one's difficult. Mm. Gasly, Sonoda. Now, obviously, in qualifying, mm. Gasly just missed the line, so wasn't able to set so his close. quickest time. Because yeah, of like Sonoda two as seconds well. off. So, yeah, Sonoda, yeah, Sonoda was ahead, just got across, got out of Q1. Gasly didn't. I think given where Gasly started to come home, P11 is, is, is a very good drive. And Sonoda, I don't know what happened to Yuki. I have literally no idea. I don't know if any of you guys can tell me. So I've got to yeah, give it to Pierre. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. To, 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 so I'm giving it Gasly. But um, yeah, Yuki, uh, like he's, he's, he's been very good this year, but not one to remember for Yuki Sonoda. Yeah, and like Gasly was the first one to like properly, yeah, as we said, to sort of uh, just switch tyres. And like we saw yeah. him like having decent pace as well. Um and I think they're like one of the very few overtakes which he saw, I think was him passing before going into the, into the hairpin. I don't know if that was him just being let pass because I think um, I think it might have been Bottas or I think. Or, Joe. Or Joe, sorry. Because Joe, Joe went shot, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think loads of people were thinking, no, that's a proper on-track overtake where actually I think he probably got instructed to let him pass because he yeah, went over the chicane in the Maybe, previous yeah. lap. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure what happened to Sonoda. We didn't see much of him in the broadcast. Um, I mean, we didn't see much of the broadcast anyway because, like yeah, we were mentioning earlier, like we didn't know Magnussen um, retired until very later on into it. But yeah, we didn't see much of Sonoda, and I think yeah, Gasly. We can see him moving up the up the order. So yeah, Gasly's my driver of the day. Uh, wow, driver of the day. Are you talking about? Oh, not driver of the day. Sorry, sorry. Between these two, go on. Not driver of the day. Sorry, misspoke, misspoke. I meant, yeah. You know what? You know what I mean. I know. Uh, I was gonna say in the words of George Russell. Yeah, blimey. Um, no, fair enough. Um, I think it's yeah. It's weird with Sonoda. I'm looking at the Pirelli information. He pitted on lap 56 for a set of softs. So he did like kind of what Lando did, but he didn't have a gap. So I'm not quite sure what that was all about. But 
Um, I think Pierre, honestly, I think he could have out-qualified. He had the pace all weekend throughout practice and qualifying and got super he unlucky. Did. I think he would have been up there with Norris, not, not going to lie, like if he got to Q3. So he's got super unlucky, to be honest. And uh, this was a big opportunity. But yeah, he did the job kind of, he did what he could. Unfortunately, didn't get into the points, but it's just that kind of season. And I think it's a weird one with Pierre because, I mean, we talk about the pressure on Daniel Ricciardo, like... I think he's going to be looking at that like McLaren drive if Daniel does get dropped. So mm. he needs to keep performing. And um, yeah, I think it was another really good race and performance. Just maybe the points didn't kind of, you know, show it at the end. Yep, yeah, go, go, Gazi for me. Just missed out on the points. And in terms of Sonoda, so basically he was stuck in that train, decided to, they just decided to put him into softs. And then he just kept on going too deep at Sandovot. Like a couple of times, just kept on breaking oh, yeah. too late and going too deep in Sandovot. I thought it was quite funny at the time because there was the train of Perez, um, uh, Science, Verstappen all behind them. And I thought maybe like they were on the radio, like get out of the way. So he just goes too deep and just gets completely <laughs> out of the way of those guys. Uh, but then he did it again later. So maybe just enjoyed it. It was just exploring the Monaco track and just seeing what what's down all the different uh, escape routes. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's trying to find one to get back in the race. But yeah, his race, his qualifying was great. But it fell apart in the race and it's a driver fault. So it's an easy one for Gasly, regardless of the overtakes that he made. Fair play, fair play. And then Haas, um, I mean, obviously K-Mag out-qualified. Schumacher pulled up through no fault of his own. It was a water pressure leak cramp thing, something to do with that. Yeah. cramp. Um, <laughs> and Mick binned it on his own. And it's, I mean, it, it, it's not a great day for us, both cars not finishing. Um, but I guess I'll give it to Kev um, because I just think Schumacher, that shunt was like a big, again, a big mark on his scorecard. So I'm giving it to Kevin, but no one's really a winner here. Yeah, I've got to give it to Kevin as well. Was, yeah, day to forget for Haas. And like, I just, yeah, I, I'm starting to get worried now in terms of like their reliability packages of like, you know, now that they're, they're, they're losing out on parts and yeah, just can't keep having these mistakes now from Mick and yeah, again, being out qualified by your teammate, uh, someone who's been out of the sport for, for a little bit, then come back and then sort of be sort of showing up a bit like that. It's not good. So yeah, this one for me has got to go to Kevin. Yeah. Obviously K mag as well, as well, like the social media, like Twitter is already like, you know, mid Schumacher, like that's popping off early. Uh, so that, that's, that's not good for him but yeah I mean the highlight again I've just got to bring it back to like Mick in the wall and then all of a sudden it just cuts to Kevin like looking at him in like in the pit lane that's I was like so what good. is going how did that happen uh, but yeah it's it's got to go to K-Mag but I mean again no one's a, you know no one's a winner it's a double L triple L in terms of the amount of money that's going to cost Haas and I genuinely worry about the end of the season in terms of like if they're going to have it, because they're nowhere near that 135 million budget cap, whatever it is, like they're nowhere near that. And I'm, I'm genuinely worried about, are they going to have enough money to even make it to the end of the season in like the last five races? So Gosh. yeah, not good. It wouldn't be a surprise if uh, we rock up at Azerbaijan and mix on the sidelines again, like uh, we had in yeah. uh, Saudi Arabia, because, mm. you know, it's a, it's a street circuit. It's very easy through the castle section to make a mistake and put the car. These cars are a lot wider as well. So Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be something that they have to decide on. But yeah, easy one for Magnussen. Didn't bin it. Simple as that. And last, can I just say that's yeah, the bar at it. Haas. Like, if you don't bin it, you're you're the best driver. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like last year. Which is so frustrating because they actually have a good car underneath yeah. them as well. Yeah. Like, they haven't really booked the upgrades yet. And this is what like that. You know, maybe this is part of partly why they haven't brought upgrades earlier because they had the shunt in Jeddah. This isn't going to mm. help now. All this 
you know, money to rebuild the car. So, yeah, not a good... When they do have a good car underneath them, which is, you know, you feel like they're missing opportunities here, which I kind of feel the same about Even K-Mag last time out actually in Spain with that collision with, with Lewis. It's just mistakes, again, which is kind of like what yeah. we used to see exactly. with it's it's a shame because it's nice to see Haas back up there, but they're not really delivering what they should be. Um, and then Williams, I'm giving it to Latifi um, because Albon had, I don't know what he was on, it, just a weird race. Like, again, he got the five second penalty for corner cutting because um, he just kept going on straight. He, you know, held up Leclerc. I don't understand what he was doing, why he didn't. Just get out of the way. I, I, you know, there's obviously huge um, conspiracy theories on Twitter with the whole "oh, he's Red Bull affiliated, so he <laughs> held up Leclerc." But then, like they you said, like Latifi also held up Science, and they're both like he's not affiliated with Red Bull. So I don't really. He is. I, I, I crashed for them last season in, in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> he's done you. He's done you. To be fair, he's done you. Very good. But uh, to be fair, no, you you got me there. You got me there. Um, yeah, I just and then you know pulls up. He he pulled up. He DNF'd. He just brought the car in because he was like, this feels really unsafe. Like, yeah. Something. I don't know whether he was just embarrassed and just thought I'm just going to bring it in. I yeah. can't be early. <laughs> I don't know. So not a good race from Alex at all. Um, I mean, not much better from Latifi. Again, almost ended his own race before it even started. Um, but at least he made it to the end. Uh, Yes, he did hold up science, but mm. I mean, at least he didn't get a five-second penalty. Yeah. So I'm going to give it to Latifi, but again, no one really wins here. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a real shame because, like, yeah, Albon actually out-qualified Latifi by, like, eight-tenths, I think it was. So, no, like, it was yeah, more, uh, no, no, it was Albon out-qualified, but, like, it was, like, 1.2, 1.4 seconds. What it was crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it's still a big, 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 big old margin. Um, and I think the team, well, I think, yeah, he, he came into box and basically said that, that something felt wrong with the car. So I think the team are basically going to take apart the car anyway, uh, just to sort of see what's going on, see if there was any actual issues. Um, but even then, though, yeah, like, yeah, it's got to go to Lozifi because, yeah, the mistakes Albon was making during the race, you know, going over the chicane multiple times and, yeah, just like sort of holding people up. It's just common things. Just you just need that stuff needs to be ironed out straight away. And um, yeah, silly. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately he's got, he's he's got, got enough experience to not be doing stuff like that. You know exactly I mean? that. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's got to go to Latifi. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's going to go to Latifi. Uh, obviously, I feel like uh, this was the kind of the first really kind of bad race for Alex uh, since his uh, comeback. Mm. To be honest, but he's got so much credit in the bank now in terms of, like the points that he scored. Uh, that it's kind of like you know you can afford him to give him like a bad race, but. It's, yeah, but even so, you know, giving it to Latifi, like, he got massively, I need to look at the gap, but I'm pretty sure it was, like, over one second that he got out qualified. Eight, which, eight tenths. I was at eight tenths, but even, I just like, it was eight tenths. you know, around Monaco, that's, looking <laughs> at how close it was, that's a, that's a chunky gap right there, and, like. It's a short lap, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. short lap, so, yeah, I don't know what's, you know, Latifi, but it's, like, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, le, le, I mean Latifi as well, but it's just, I mean Albon. I don't know what he was doing this weekend, Mister Tomo, but he needs to, he needs to just take a take a little look at himself there. It's clearly the rivalry between him and Stroll is just heating up at the moment. So yeah, it's, uh, it's getting to him. The pressure's. Getting yeah, I mean, to look, him. Alex and Charles are like besties, so I don't think he'd hold him up through any like Red Bull persuade. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I believe don't the conspiracy know, theories. Put two and two together I, I just, makes four. Do you know what I mean? I just think he had a bit of head loss and was just because because some of his radios like Alex's he sound like a lot of the drivers sounded stressed but Alex sounded so stressed 
at times on the radio. I was like, wow, like <laughs> it's all right, mate, calm down. Um, but there you go. That's the Monaco Grand Prix for 2022. Maybe the last Monaco Grand Prix of all time. Who knows? Ooh. No. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> we'll see, won't we? Um, if the Automobile Club de Monaco give their head a wobble and stop... Mm gatekeeping the sport i guess um but anyway thank you all for coming thank you all for watching listening wherever you are in the world thank you matt thank you aldas thank you hayden for joining me today um next week i don't know if we'll all be here someone else will be hosting whoever we're alternating it mixing it up whoever <laughs> wakes up exactly hayden will be in well, I think slumber in the i don't think i will be here Oh, well, there you go. That, that explains it. You can get Fem on. She can do the yeah, point. Yeah, I was going to get better insight from her. Mate. Dutch bias. Sure. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you for watching. Like the video if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Also give us five stars. Do all that good stuff on Spotify, Apple Podcasts if you're audio only. And we will see you on the next one. Cheerio. Adios. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.